It is 7.36. Well, one month from today, uh, stakeholders from uh, across uh, the country uh, in the energy sector and in the energy transition will be coming together in Edmonton as a part of the Alberta Industrial Heartland Association's annual conference. About a thousand people in town for this one. Um, and I thought it was perfect time then to dial up Mark Plamondon, who is the executive director of Alberta's Industrial Heartland Association, to talk about the work that is being done in the heartland right now and about the uh, the growth that we're seeing there. Hi, Mark. Welcome back to the show. Hi. Good morning, Jalen. Thank you very much for having me here this morning. All right. So the the association itself, that, that collaboration of, you know, the city of Fort Saskatchewan, Lamont County, Strathcona County, Sturgeon County, and the city of Edmonton, that was formalized, if my number's right, back in 1998. So that's about 25 years ago. When you take a look at um, the growth, the 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 change that has happened in the heartland during that time. How do you describe it? Oh, well, yes, uh, Jaylen, you know, it's, it's correct. Uh, the, the, those municipalities got together. Uh, it, was, it was 1998 and then formalized the association in 99, and next year we will be celebrating 25 years. And when we look at really what's happened or what's happening, uh, at least some of the major things that have happened is, you know, we have established this region globally as a globally recognized uh, energy cluster, and that's through, you know, 25 years of, of building the brand and, and marketing and advertising this region globally to global companies who can come and look at this uh, jurisdiction for their next large-scale value-add energy project. And then just the actual physical uh, industrial activity that's happening here. There's there's world-leading companies that operate mm-hmm. here, and we really have seen growth in, in uh, the industrial activity here. So it's quite, and, and, and we've never been busier, to be honest. <laughs> all good news. This is all really good news. So Mark, when we take a look at, uh, you know, the economic impact uh, that uh, the, the associate, the, uh, the Heartland has in that in that area northeast of, of Edmonton and, and what it's producing, what it's doing, how many it's employing, can you give us some numbers? Well, certainly the there's so there's there's 23 large world scale facilities and then over 40 companies in general operating in this region, and those companies just regionally you would have regional activity well over uh, just regional activity well over a couple of billion dollars. But mm. the actual total direct jobs that happen here, you have over 7,000 direct jobs. You have an inflow of traffic and an outflow of traffic in the morning and the afternoon into the industrial heartland, and then you add indirect jobs on top of that, and you can add at least another 30,000. So it is an economic engine for the region, for the province, and for the country. When we hear the words econo- or the energy transition, certainly in this province, it can get people pretty fired up, people can get uh, uh, you know very supportive, but others can, you know, get put back on their heels quite a bit with it. It can be a little controversial. How do you, as the executive director of the Heartland Association, see the energy transition and how do you see it unfolding in the Heartland? Yeah, thanks, Jalen. You know, it's it's a very exciting time for, for the industrial Heartland because I think this region is so well positioned to lead globally with respect to energy transition. And it's because of the endowments that we have here. So not only do we have the low cost and also low carbon feedstocks in natural gas, we have the infrastructure and the geology to uh, that is highly suitable 
for carbon capture, utilization and storage. And so the carbon capture and storage, that is going to be one of the key pillars that the world uses, one of the key technologies that the world is going to use to help decarbonize. And so we have that here. We have this combination of low-cost feedstock and this highly suitable uh, poor space and infrastructure for carbon capture. And that positions this region to be able to help companies meet their economic and environmental goals. And so I, I see the carbon capture and sequestration as, as, as a key technology here that will help not only the companies here to decarbonize their oper- operations, but new companies as they are looking to produce low-carbon products that can help uh, the world meet their decarbonization in, uh, initiatives. I see this region as a, as a destination for foreign capital to come here and, and uh, be able to meet those objectives. Mark. Clamond and joining me this morning, the executive director of Alberta's Industrial Heartland Association. Uh, we know that uh, reducing greenhouse gas emission, this is something that has taken you know front and center and governments uh, around around the world. We, we keep hearing these numbers about uh, you know Canada uh, and a net zero emissions by 2050, some numbers 2035, and some are saying that's much too fast, but let's take a look at 2050. Um, your thoughts on that goal, um, 2050, um, and, and what um, the, the heartland is going to, what role it's going to play in that? Yeah, so there's a number of pathways that can happen out here. And as I just mentioned, mm-hmm. I think a, a key pathway here is utilizing carbon capture and storage to help produce hydrogen that can then be used to help decarbonize some of the facilities out here or new facilities. So that's one pathway. Secondly, there are also um, renewable electricity projects out here in the heartland to help produce uh, zero carbon electricity for facilities here. And there's also opportunities for new low-carbon electricity generation facilities. So you have a combination of um, electrification using carbon capture and sequestration. There's also projects proposed around biofuels and biofeedstocks, and that can help other sectors of the economy. So, you know, there's going to be a number of driving forces, a number of technologies that can be implemented. I think the exciting thing about the heartland is that there's opportunities for all of them. We'll need Mm -hmm. them all. There's opportunities for all of them. We work with investors from around the world in a number of areas, and and we're happy to help them all figure out if their next large-scale investment makes sense for them in the industrial heartland. How hard has it been? I mean, or you know, what kind of a sales job do you have to do to get them to 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 set up shop here in Alberta? Well, so a couple of things. I mean, fortunately, we Canada has a, a, a good global reputation as being a uh, has a, a very high ESG standard here. So it's already accepted that if you're operating in Canada, you're dealing with uh, with a very high uh, environment, social, and governance benchmark for sure. So that that is helpful from that aspect. And then the rest of the challenges you have with getting foreign direct capital here has been challenges that Alberta always has, of course, and that's getting our energy products mm-hmm. to market and of course the regulatory framework and again fortunately you know the government of Alberta has spent a significant amount of time uh, and has des- designated the industrial heartland as a designated industrial zone which has more streamlined regulatory framework which will help give certainty to investors so you know we're continually to work with government continuing work with governments and and to, to to build certainty on the regulatory framework to help get projects meet their economic goals and i think from an environmental perspective we already have a good reputation and again with the with the carbon capture sequestration mm-hmm. and the, some of the uh 
renewable projects that are here, I think we're 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 on our way for and sure. Mark, we know that uh, the province just announced what was it a six month moratorium on on mm-hmm. wind and, and solar projects. I know that that there are some solar projects um, in the works as well, kind of within Heartland. What impact does that have on the work being done out there? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the, the main point to make here is, you know, regulatory certainty is is very important for investors. For any investor, any company to make a decision on their capital investment, they need regulatory certainty. And so if this is the path that the government needs to take to get regulatory certainty as quickly as possible, then then that, that's what's needed here. But th- that's essential for investors to make decisions. And so um, I encourage any time that we can increase certainty on the regulatory front, whether that's through the designated industrial zone or uh, understanding the regulatory framework on the, the, the renewables as they're currently doing over the next six months. Either way, as soon as we can get to regulatory certainty, the better off we're going to be. You have uh, touched on some of the challenges um, that you, that, uh, that the Heartland faces. and you know, We talk about the regulatory challenges, all of that sort of stuff. Um, w- w- when we're looking in years to come, you know, five years, 10 years down the road, Mark, what is the biggest challenge? Uh, biggest. Well, I think I think uh, historically here, getting, you know, as our jurisdiction is compared by companies, uh, they look at jurisdictions around the world and they compare ours to others. Um, and making sure that ours is number one, you know, number two, number three is great, but it doesn't help <laughs> from an investment standpoint. You need it to be number one. And so it's actually all of the factors need to add up to put us in the number one position. So you do need to have the decarbonization opportunities, which we have here. You do need to have strong economics with the low-cost feedstocks. You do need to have a tax structure and incentive structure that competes. So there isn't just one, Jaylen. It okay. is a factor of suites. Sorry, there's a suite of factors <laughs> that need to get us to number one, and we're continuously working with investors to understand those and working with governments to improve this, to continue to improve, to put us in the number one position. And I don't want to sound like we're not uh, we're not progressing because there's we're the busiest we've ever been. We mm-hmm. have the most interest we've ever had, I'd say, with foreign companies looking at projects here. And so it's it's very exciting times. All right, uh, Mark Plamondon joining me this morning. Looking forward to seeing you at uh, at the conference in a month's time from now, Mark. And uh, it's always one of those events that I certainly learn way. <laughs> it was so much stuff that I've never known before. So, Mark, thank you for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you again in a few weeks. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, take morning, care. Jaylen. All righty. Uh, that conference, by the way, sold out on September 14th. Looking forward to emceeing it with the Alberta Industrial Heartland Association. Thought it was an interesting conversation given the fact that we've been talking about energy transition so much over the past little bit and take a, a deep dive on what's happening in the in the heartland there, that, that, that big patch of property up in the northeast, uh, you know, past... Uh, past Edmonton up in the northeast so much work going on down there and I'm not sure that uh, a lot of folks actually know um, how much is going on so some good news always coming out of there for most of us crime is something we see on the news we never think it could happen to us until it does loved ones are gone and for the survivors the scars will never heal I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.